In 2017, Logan Paul was unavoidable. He was a blonde-haired, hyper-boisterous personality who would vlog his LA exploits. But he wasn't really doing sponsorships on his channel. After all, it wouldn't have made too much sense. His audience was clearly very young. But what Logan Paul was doing was plugging his merchandise, Maverick Clothing, in every video. You could argue that his daily vlogs, which would be watched by millions of his young, adoring fans, were pretty much just advertisements for his merch. He made it abundantly clear in every breath of his vlogs that if you were a true fan of his, aka a maverick, you would be sporting his maverick clothing. In the three years since, his career has gone on a highly publicized roller coaster ride. But recently, as he's tamed himself and changed his public persona a bit, he's started being more candid on a podcast that's aptly named Impulsive. Well, he recently revealed how much Maverick clothing made in its first year alone. 30 to 40 million dollars. You heard that correctly. Of course, it's unclear whether that's revenue or profit, but any double-digit number that's followed by the word million is unfathomably impressive, especially when it's coming from t-shirts, sweatshirts, and backpacks, none of which are notable for their designs, but rather only the creator who's advertising them. This isn't an anomaly. Influencer merchandise is wildly lucrative for a particular reason. It allows for an in-real-life connection between influencers and their loyal fans. It speaks to the value of creating a bond through a social media platform. Today, we'll be looking at the influencer merch industry as a whole. Who's profiting from this venture? how companies are capitalizing off of this, and what it says about the influencer space. All of this and more will be explored today on Tube Circuit. I'm Dylan Harari. As I teased earlier, Logan Paul's career went through a highly publicized roller coaster ride. At the very tail end of 2017, Logan and his crew traveled to Japan. For one of their Asia adventures, they decided to go to a notable forest that's dubbed the Suicide Forest, as many people commit suicide in the forest due to how secluded it is. Unfortunately, you should see where this is going. Logan Paul, whose audience is mostly young children, went into the forest for a video about how spooky and creepy the experience is. All while he's being particularly insensitive to the troubling nature of the forest's notoriety by being his off-the-wall boisterous self. There's a time and a place, Logan. Well, Logan and his crew find someone who has hung themselves in the forest. Whether out of nervousness or a genuinely callous response to such a grave situation, Logan starts giggling. 
talking to his fans about how crazy this is, all while filming the dead body. It's just about the worst thing you've ever seen. However bad you think it is, I promise you the video is worse than what you're imagining. Truly the worst case scenario for allowing a 22 year old surrounded by yes men to have a platform of millions of kids. After backlash the likes of which no YouTuber has seen before, Logan Paul was pulled from Google Preferred, a special program that provides particularly high advertising revenue for creators who YouTube's deemed their content being perfect for advertisers. Why am I going so deep into this specific antidote? for a story about merch, you may be asking? Well, after Logan Paul's suicide forest debacle, a TMZ paparazzi asked Logan how he planned to make money now that he isn't receiving the pre-roll advertisement revenue he once was making. Logan had a very simple, non-verbal response. He merely gestured to the clothing he was wearing, which was his Maverick merch. The same merch we now know resulted in 30 to 40 million dollars in its first year alone. This was the very start of 2018. Merch was something that many creators were indulging in. This would come in the form of a t-shirt, usually an inside joke related to the channel or a specific video, that they'd sell on a website. The merch would usually range from a Hanes quality shirt to a high-end piece of merchandise that would rival the quality seen from notable brands. But in the two years since, merch has become ubiquitous across the platform and has been elevated in both quality and scale. What started as a hey buy my t-shirt of my channel's name venture for content creators has evolved into arguably the most lucrative venture for creators. Now, for some creators, having a YouTube channel almost acts as the springboard in order to create popular and widely distributed clothing brands. Seemingly, every creator is making a push towards merch. It doesn't matter if you're a comedy creator, a gaming creator, a fashion and lifestyle vlogger, a kids channel, or any other obscure vertical on the platform. These YouTube channels are acting as vehicles in order to legitimize and popularize clothing. But how did we get here so rapidly? How and why? Did so many YouTubers have a seemingly shared aha moment of, wow, I can make inordinate sums of money by creating my own clothing brand, leveraging my fan base in order to generate sales? Well, in a way, it does tie back to our friend Logan Paul because he was both one of the first creators to do this at such a large scale successfully and one of the biggest catalysts to the entire content creator industry needing to find new ways of revenue. Well, preceding Logan Paul's colossal mistake of filming someone who died by suicide and trivializing the incredibly serious issue, the overall appeal of brands running pre-roll ads on YouTube videos had started to diminish. Now, don't get it mistaken. 
This isn't because YouTube suddenly lost its status as one of the best means to garner millions of engaged impressions. It was because even before Logan Paul films a dead body, YouTube had been hosting content that was, let's say, troubling. What triggered the aptly named Adpocalypse was a 2017 New York Times article that profiled how family-friendly brands had their ads playing before videos that were meant to spread hateful messages to the masses. Unbelievably, Charmin Ultra wasn't looking to have a sponsorship run before a video praising the teachings of Ku Klux Klan Grand Wizard David Duke. It's hard to put into words how disastrous this article ended up being for YouTube on all levels. YouTube had been positioning themselves as the alternative to TV ad spend. They had a more engaged audience, and they're a better method to allocate marketing dollars, they would argue. But this New York Times article really highlighted the downside to having a platform that's largely fueled by user-generated content that's not thoroughly vetted. For the most part, every brand pulled their YouTube advertising. This included the brands that had invested the most into YouTube ads, Procter & Gamble and AT&T. As a result, YouTubers began making significantly less money from their biggest source of revenue, pre-roll ads. Because of all of this, YouTube had to fundamentally overhaul their entire creator monetization structure, changing the process by which creators would receive these pre-roll ads. You can't blame them. What came from this is that most content that ran counter to the most milk-toast, objectively safe videos would not receive pre-roll ads. If you discuss sex, no pre-roll ad money for you. Mention sex in a video, usually no pre-roll ad money for you. Mention a topic that's related to a controversial news story regardless of your take, no pre-roll ad money for you. There were stories of creators who would make videos that strayed from G-rated content, such as paranormal discovery creators, going from making $6,000 a month in AdSense to as little as $1,000 a month. Many creators who would explore more controversial topics, regardless of their stance or angle, would receive zero AdSense altogether. They were fully demonetized. This resulted in stories of creators with hundreds of thousands of subscribers going from having Postmates ads running before their videos to driving for Postmates in order to keep their lights on. And for the promised tie-in to our good friend Logan Paul, his tasteful suicide forest video resulted in more precautions set by YouTube in order to ensure that only the safest of safe videos would be monetized. Thanks, Logan. And all of this was coming at a rather interesting time. At around 2018, YouTube was growing rapidly. 
At the time, 2018 was the fastest growth for YouTube viewership, with the number of hours spent watching videos up 60% from the year prior. And from 2018 to 2020, especially with COVID, YouTube's reach has only furthered dramatically. This means that while YouTubers are having a hard time getting big brands to put ads before their videos, they're likely at their peak career viewership and loyalty to their channel. This means that building your own brand through merchandise is the most appealing it has ever been to a YouTuber's fan base. And YouTubers are having a hard time monetizing through big brands. This is why in a seemingly synchronized fashion, all of YouTube over the past two years had the same light bulb illuminate over their heads. I need to make merch. Now in 2020, top talent managers and creators spill that on the low end, a third of all creator earnings are through merch. I would really emphasize the on the low end there. For the more prominent YouTube creators, it must be a larger percentage of the earnings pie. But again, I want to emphasize why this works. When you're a fan, your relationship with your favorite creator is through a 2D screen. It almost exists in an insulated, sequestered world that doesn't seep into your day-to-day -day life. Imagine how weird that is. Imagine feeling like you're close friends with someone. You know their daily motivations, their personal emotions, their favorite foods, stories from their childhood, and of course, you guys share inside jokes. But the second you leave your phone screen or computer screen, it's as if that relationship evaporates. Your best friend isn't connected to your outside world. But if you can sport a t-shirt, a backpack, a hat, whatever, from your influencer friend, suddenly it's tangible validation about the relationship you have. Now, creators often aren't as candid about their earnings as Logan Paul is, but we do get glimpses here and there into how profitable merch must be for creators. Recently, YouTube vlogger and TikTok heartthrob Bryce Hall divulged that he's making one million a quarter off of merch. But beyond the revenue, what should also be a testament to the success of the merch venture is the rate at which creator merch sells out. I wanted to cite specific examples in order to illustrate this point, but the commonality into articles about influencer merch drops is that pretty much all sell out immediately upon launch. This includes Lucas the Spider, an animated show on YouTube, selling out its 40,000 plushies in a mere 10 days. You think that's crazy? How about TikToker Noah Beck's new clothing line, Your Loved, completely selling out just from pre-orders? Again, these aren't anomalies. 
This is the story of the overwhelming majority of influencers with engaged audiences selling merch. Fans are buying the merch as if it's their civic duty as a member of the fan base. It's incredible. But when speaking about the overall success, it's important to highlight the companies that are modeling their businesses around influencer merch. And given everything we've talked about, it should come as no surprise that the earnings numbers are jaw-dropping. First, let's discuss Fanjoy, which since 2014 has been one of the most prominent players in the influencer merch space. This means creating and distributing merch for top YouTube creators like Jake Paul, David Dobrik, Casey Neistat, and so many more. In 2018, they had shipped more than 1 million items. While the 2020 numbers aren't available, I'm going to assume that it's grown to at least 5 million in the two years since. Why? Well, a $25 t-shirt or a $55 hoodie from David Dobrik, one of the single most popular influencers, if not the, in the history of YouTube, is going to be purchased by the fan base. I would assure you that if you went to any mall or public space populated by teens right now, you would see a minimum of three people wearing his merch. And the concept of clothing that signifies your relationship with the creator will galvanize fans in a way that goes beyond merely ordering an item from a phone or computer. Fanjoy, in a pre-COVID world, often conducted pop-up shops where they'd surprise announce a location where the creator's merch would be sold. Again, this isn't new or unique merch. It's the same merch that you can buy on the Fanjoy website. But the value to a real-life event that's connected to an influencer is compelling. So compelling, in fact, that David Dobrik's pop-up shop events would be swarmed by 10,000 fans. You do the math on how much money each of those fans buying a t-shirt or hoodie will generate. Now, that's one example with Fanjoy. But the other company that absolutely needs to be highlighted when talking about the profitability and power of influencer merch is Teespring. For some background, Teespring was on the brink of death in 2016. Their model of selling digital ad space on a website in which anyone could make their own shirts, stickers, hats, or more wasn't working out too well. So in 2016, with nothing left to lose, they decided to reorient the company around influencers. Well, fast forwarding a bit, in 2019, they hit $1 billion in lifetime sales. Their new model of focusing on influencers meant partnering with top YouTube creators like Philip DeFranco, Liza Koshy, and more in order to create and sell merch on the site. 
This was 2016, mind you. That means that Teespring had legitimized themselves as a trusted partner for content creators before the adpocalypse that made creators desperate to find new means of generating revenue. This means that when the adpocalypse happened, Teespring saw a 400% increase in signups by YouTubers. If you're a creator and you want to create and vend your own stickers, hats, t-shirts, phone cases, plushies, whatever, you're likely to trust Teespring. Remember when I talked about those 40,000 Lucas the Spider plush toys immediately selling out? Yeah, sold through Teespring, of course. Since 2018, around when creators realized that merch was the key to monetizing off of their influence, Teespring has paid out over 80 million dollars in creator profits. And to further corroborate my argument that merch sells like hotcakes due to it representing a genuine fan-to-creator relationship, Teespring says that since lockdown in March, successful creators have seen a 31% growth in revenue. That means that right as people reached a new level of valuing relationships and connections in a rather lonely period, creator merch sales skyrocketed. And because I'm now just ranting about how much Teespring is killing it because of their early bet on influencers, please note that they've now partnered with YouTube, TikTok, and Twitch in order to bake in a vendor site into the platforms themselves, making it unbelievably easy for creators to create and sell their merch to an audience that can make a purchase without leaving the platform. Insane, unbelievable, it's genius. But are top clothing brands starting to get it, you may be asking. Do they now understand that clothing associated with an influencer is really just printing money? Well, Teespring has partnered with top brands like Nike and Champion in order to allow select, well-vetted creators to sell merch that's produced from these brands. That means that many influencers who've proven to Teespring that they're worthy of having their merch with these top clothing brands are selling items that feature Champion and Nike logos. And to further illustrate the degree to which top brands are getting it, quote unquote, in late 2019, Adidas launched a line of shoes that were in partnership with the most followed Twitch streamer, Ninja. And now, for the least surprising fact of the century, the shoes completely sold out after 40 minutes. As I've explained many times on this podcast before, Influencers have a pull that most celebrities don't. Let me correct myself. A pull that most traditional celebrities don't. That's because the often unfiltered creator-fan relationships result in a friendship that can't be compared to seeing a movie because Leonardo DiCaprio is in it and I like his acting. 
It's just not the same. Creators in the communities they build through the platforms by which they produce content become families in their own right. But does a fan have any tangible connection to the creator they adore? Well, in merch, they do. Again, it's not about showing off to others that, hey, look, I love this creator, guys. Creator merch sales increased during COVID lockdown for a reason. Because merch furthers the fan connection and validates the relationship. It's made more real. When you own a t-shirt, sweatshirt, hat, sticker, phone case, whatever that's closely associated with your influencer friend. Merch is shaping the influencer industry, not only because it's acting as an incredibly lucrative revenue stream for creators. Merch is shaping the influencer industry because it proves the invaluably powerful connections creators can build with their fan bases. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Tube Circuit, Exploring Digital Media. 